Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast, and your authority on all things Leadville. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. We want to take you on a journey of storytelling of our now 38-year rich history. We also then want to follow that up with tricks and tips that will get you to that line come August and let our community members have a little say in that too. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll see you this summer. We'll see you at home in Leadville. Our guest today is Leadville's leading lady and needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her one anyway. Today's guest is Mary Lee Moppin, one of the original crew that has been standing by that cowboy I call dad since day one. Mary Lee has been inducted into the Colorado Women's Sports Hall of Fame, has been a borough racer, travel agent involved in many philanthropic endeavors throughout the community, but her most important role and one she's most proud of has been hanging that medal around your neck when you get to the end of that carpet we all crave so bad. So without further ado, here is Mary Lee Maupin on the early days of what it took to get the race up and running and what it's going to take to get you across that line. We hope you enjoy. Well, we recently just heard from Dad, but Mary Lee, now I have you sitting with me, and I couldn't have a better guest. Dad might disagree, but we both know you take the honor. Um, we we have often heard Dad tell that story of, of the early years of the 100 mile, but I'd love to have the chance to ask you what you remember, what those early years were like for you. Well, I remember where I was. Uh, when Kenneth first called me and told me he was he had this wild idea he was thinking about doing a hundred mile foot race I was at my desk um, and I had a very small travel agency at the time it was on Highway 24 South Kenneth was a county commissioner and uh, we we had been friends because we both were runners. Um, We had recently done, I think, a little, I think it was just a 10K in Leadville, uh, and he called me, and it was in the fall, uh, and that must have been 1982 when he called, and he said, I I just want you to know what I'm thinking about, and I'm going to need your help. (laughs) <laughs> I said, "You got it." <laughs> so that was uh, that was my first memory of hearing about what what grandiose plans he had. Well, you say you were both runners. Um, I think you spent several years doing a style of running. Many of these people uh, tuning in may not know about. What other types of running did you do with my father? <laughs> We both did borough racing. We uh, we brought in some little wild burrows to Leadville uh, and were trying to adopt them out. Um, they were from Noah, which is the 
National Organization of Wild American Horses. They had come in from China Lake Military Installation in California, and we set up a corral downtown, and we were adopting them out. And the first first bunch we adopted really quickly. Second bunch didn't go quite as well, or quite as fast. It went as well. It didn't go quite as fast. And I ended up with uh, one of those little burrows, and she was, I don't know if I can say this, but she was a wild ass. <laughs> <laughs> and um, within two weeks, she was taking cookies out of my mouth. She just, she was the best girl and the best pet, and she was my burrow racing buddy. Her name was Baby Doe. Well, now, how many years did you burrow race? Oh, Lord, I don't know, Cole. <laughs> it seemed like forever. Uh, we weren't ever very fast. The best we ever did was third at Bell, which uh, I thought was amazing for us. But she she started out, and she would not cross water. She wouldn't cross the stripes on the, on the highway. Uh, she was scared of cracks in the road. And she ended up, uh, before it was over, she would follow me anywhere. And she was a... She was a great burrow racing buddy. And for those that don't know, burrow racing, you don't ride the burrow. You run along beside them. And you certainly have to have their buy-in for that. Uh, <laughs> and they are they can be very, very stubborn creatures. You cannot out-stubborn a burrow. But we, we raced all over. We went to New Mexico and raced in Chama. We went to Summit County. We went to Fair Play. We went to Buena Vista. We raced all over the state. So the borough racing community, actually, they were some of our first supporters. We told them what we were doing, and we had some friends from um, that had llamas, and and we also had llama races, and they were like. Wow, that sounds great. We'll help you. And that's a whole nother story. Well, so what length were you running the burrows? Uh, anything for the women's races at that time, they had men's races and women's races. And I think that we did probably a minimum of 12 miles up to uh, 30-something because we also had, we brought back the original race that I did one year, which was Leadville all the way over the past to Fair Play. Oh, goodness. The end of the Triple Crown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so now we've graduated from you did 10Ks with Dad as a runner to now you're at least a half marathoner with a stubborn <laughs> animal, so you know digging deep. So based on that, did this idea of 100 miles still sound that crazy, or was it? Easy you know, to would, adapt to. It wasn't ever crazy, Cole. It was just, it was a grandiose idea. It was a, an amazing idea. Grandiose and crazy seemed to merge <laughs> there. My book. Um, okay, so so you buy in. Um, you're both runners. You think you're going to buy in. You're, you're kind of getting ready to be off and running. What did those early days race operations look like can you take me through what being a 
a race director, if there even was a thing, was like? Or? Well, um, yes. As, as you probably know, that <laughs> period of time, there were no computers. So everything was done on the typewriter or by hand. Um, we would pay to have things copied, and we would go to all the surrounding running stores, and we would hand things out at borough races and um, go to other small races and hand out information about the races and, and race applications. And I think you will remember probably the third year of the race, we were going to Western States. Your dad was going to run Western. And we had box upon box upon box of Leadville race material. Uh, we were flying to California. Your mom, my daughter Megan, you and I flew out before your dad did. And we got to the airport and it was like in a hail of hen poop. And we were pretty last minute trying to get those boxes in. And we were so, at that time, you didn't have white requirements, but we couldn't even carry the boxes. So I paid a red cap, a $50 bill to get all that. Uh, information and all those boxes onto the plane. At, at that time, $50 was an absolute fortune. But anyway, we got to California and went to Western States, and, and they were very kind to let us hand out our information and supportive of us. Um, at that time, it was Norm and Helen Klein were the race directors, and Helen did come do our race. Uh, at least twice after that. And held the record as the oldest female, right? Yeah, she mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think Megan and I thought we were more prisoners on that trip. I don't think we volunteered. <laughs> um, you didn't ever volunteer for anything. You I, were, I think it's called inscripted. <laughs> well, I think I was three feet tall and the box was three feet tall. Okay, so those aren't very fond memories. Um, or they might be for you, but do you, what are your fonder memories of the race or race day surrounding Leadville? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I, I was always at the finish line. So my fondest memories are finish line memories. Uh, of being a part of every racer's great victories and, and, just they had kept on and not quit and finished and it and it made such a big difference in their lives. So that's probably number one, being at the finish line. But uh, number two, probably the inscription, you and Megan, because I know in those early years we let you guys clean out all the drop bags, and you could keep all the candy that was in the drop bags. And there were some nasty drop bags because there were mashed bananas and 
uh, weird stuff in people's drop bags. But you guys thought you had died and gone to heaven being able to go through and, and take out all that candy. Because at that point, of course, there weren't power bars. There weren't gels. Uh, none of none of the things that are available to runners today. So, and number three, and, and number one, two, and three, I mean, they change with time. Sure. <laughs> depending on the thoughts, but number three would be all the great friends that we have made over the years are, they're not just friends, they're family. Um, we keep in touch with, I was down and I, I remember very vividly. I was down and it was probably nine, 10 o'clock at night. And I was typing lists of runners and there was a knock on the door and that's when our uh, race was run out of 518 Harrison, which was right across from the stoplight. There was a knock on the door, and there was a lady and a man and two kids and a dog. <laughs> and I opened the door, and she introduced herself and said, Hi, I'm Sandy Monahan. My husband Mike's running the race. We're camping out at uh, Turquoise Lake. And I would just love to come in and help you with anything because I'm camping, hear this, with two kids and a dog. And I said, okay. So the next day she came in and she was aghast. She said, you guys are doing all this by hand? Yeah, that's how we're doing it. (laughs) So she said, we're coming back next year, and next year, I'm bringing my computer. And she did. She brought, she had um, a Mac. She brought a Mac. She brought a printer. She brought all kinds of supplies, and we were off and running. Uh, it, it it made such a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so let's go back though. Um, you know, your first statement was that you your fond memory is the finish line, um, and we know Leadville's iconic for a lot of reasons. But I think what people look forward to most is a hug from you at the end. <laughs> was that something planned? Was oh, that? Oh my lord, no, Cole. It was. Uh, you know. You're just a part of people's lives and a part of this race is what that is such a big part of their lives. And you're you're so excited for them and and they come across that finish line and you just you want to celebrate with them. Just throw your arms around them and there have been I've always said that probably that last hour between nine and ten AM of the run is probably the most epic uh, hour in all of sports anywhere. I mean, there are so many tears. There's so many people that are crossing that finish line in various states of disrepair, I'm going to say. Some people collapse immediately upon finishing. Some people crawl across the finish line. Some people, uh, I've seen people do cartwheels across the finish line. 
but it's just it is iconic it's emotional it's um so fulfilling to be a part of that a, a part of that finish line and a part of people's joy and and just finishing yes it's uh it is a very big thing a very big moment for everybody for sure um it's always neat that you can see it in the crowd as much as the participant themselves in that final hour, for sure. Um, I think back of Bill Moyer, or I think back, of, you know, Bill, how many times did Bill run the race? I think he finished maybe on his 13th try. Yeah. That was such a great celebration at the finish line. Uh, he had he had come originally and not finished and kind of like the Monahans, it was like, okay, what can I do to help? And he was Mr. Volunteer. We had uh, Cliff and Molly Davies from, from Canada. Cliff had, Cliff was running our race. Cliff and Molly were great volunteers. We had Mick and Sharon Donoff. Um, we got to stop California. for Cliff for a second. Okay. I always wanted to be a rock climber and God, it was tough support from you and dad and <laughs> mom. And, yeah. Do you remember? But, but so I remember, you know, like the early days running with Cliff and looking up to Cliff and talking about climbing and Cliff saying, Oh, I was a climber. And I just thought, Oh, great. Great, this is my fuel against Mary Lee and my father. And and I hope well, you why, remember. Why aren't you climbing, Cliff? And, you know, it was back in the day, but Cliff was climbing even further back in the day. And and Cliff let me know that he had to use these pitons, pound them in the rock, and there wasn't drilling, and there was no, you know, permanent set hardware. And the cliff was like three pitches up on this climb. And boink, the one came loose. And boink, 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 just zippered him right down that cliff until he bounced off the shelf where his belayman was, cracking almost all his ribs and breaking several bones. And then falling an additional, say, 75 feet until... Then Blair now being rushed up the cliff through the pitons that were left to come back crashing down. And then Cliff saying, yeah, I left climbing for running because I didn't want to die. <laughs> so, yeah, that's lived with me for a little while. And do you remember I gave you money to buy a helmet? Yes. I. And what did you do with that money? Quote, unquote, pissed it away, Mary. I still don't have the helmet. I'm still getting tortured for it from all of you. I do deserve it. Uh, what was it? We had a, you were going to give me money for something else, and I had to, oh, a comforter, and I had to clarify that it was okay to spend it on a weighted blanket because of the damn climbing helmet. Pardon my French. Or what about... You know, I remember probably the best, but, you know, Harry Dupree. So our our cowboy investment banker buddy out of Mustang, Oklahoma. Um, 
tell me about his finishes. I, oh, Harry, Harry and Debbie were they were great athletes, both of them. Um, but Harry's claim to fame was he always wore white and white shorts and white singlet, and he would always come across that finish line looking like he stepped out of the bandbox. I mean, it didn't look like he ever perspired or got his hair messed up or like most of the runners that I hugged uh, had, had thrown up on themselves and uh, smelled like a pigsty. Harry always looked perfect and was always a gentleman. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. <laughs> we loved Harry and Debbie. They were great. Well, you talk about that final hour. I remember Harry's 29, 59, 58. And I remember he sure didn't break any extra stride to get there any quicker. And we were all at the finish line and we were all in tears. We were all, we were like, Harry, come on, come on. And I mean, he came across and he was so calm and just smiling and just perfect, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Amongst all these great memories, what do you think were some of your biggest challenges? I mean, here you are trying to put on this race, and we know a Western, but we don't really know anybody else or anything else. You know, I think uh, i got to say our biggest challenge was that we did it all. Kenneth and I did it all. We did the marketing we, uh, once we found out we could make some money from t-shirts, we come up with the designs, we'd order the t-shirts, your mom and Sharon Donoff would help sell them. Um, We'd do the pre-race, we did, we did all the mailings, we put together all the information, and at that point, the mailings were there wasn't anything online. It was all printed information. And putting that together and putting in coupons from local merchants and putting those packets together was like probably about a three-day event and getting them to the post office and mailing them out. <clears throat> and then we'd mark the trail and we'd do the signage. Um, we'd go out to the different um, uh, around the light to the uh, campground hosts and tell them what was going to happen and give them shirts and get them involved. We would um, do just everything. We would do the ordering for the aid stations. My sister helped us with that. She would... um, go to Safeway and and then end up on the courthouse lawn and dole everything out to the aid stations and we'd have people bring their drop bags to the courthouse lawn. And then Kenneth would run the race. I I would be at the finish line. And then after it was all over, <laughs> that was the really hard part. We'd have to clean up the Sixth Street gym. And we'd have to mop the entire 6th Street gym. And then we'd have to go out 
and start taking down trail markings. And that was after we'd both been up. Uh, I think your dad usually went to bed uh, Friday afternoon so he could get up and race. But I probably didn't ever get to bed before 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. on Friday night. And I was up by probably 2 to be down. And and at that time, um, people would forget their race number or they forget their safety pins. And, and so we had sort of like a and, – and Bill Moyer was really good at that, Bill and Jan Moyer. They would do it out of the back of their Tahoe, uh, all the people that would check in and need this or need that. So uh, they were always there for us too. But <laughs> we did have a lot of volunteers, but I will say most of the time, once the race was over, picking up the chairs, stacking them, taking them back to the school, um, demarking the course, we did all of that ourselves. And I think now they probably have maybe six or seven people to do our jobs, maybe even more than that. <laughs> I think they own their own tables and chairs nowadays, too. <laughs> That's true. I think I remember that buying plastic those. and not wood and <laughs> metal and um, quite, quite a bit lighter. I think they probably had better ways to haul them around than your and dad's horse trailers for the yeah. burrows. Probably cleaner, too. Sorry, athletes and Leadville family. <laughs> um, well, I mean, gosh, it sounds like all those things could have a million challenges in themselves. Like, how early would you mark the course? And did you have any issues? Oh, my goodness. We would uh, we'd usually go out on Wednesday before the race uh, and get the course all marked. And we did have some volunteer help for that. Uh, but it seemed like half the time we would have to go back out once, twice, sometimes the morning of the race, and remark places, especially around the lake, because people would see uh, the trail markings and think, you know, somebody had littered and, and they were camping at the lake, and they'd pick them up because they were trying to do the right thing and, even though we put up, we would go out and put up signage around the lake and say, this race is going to take place. And if you have any questions, call Merrily um, with my phone number. And so a lot of times we had to remark course last second. And a lot of times, even during the race, um, I would get friends to go out and mark portions of it, remark portions of it. Well, that's the thing, too. Did you ever have any big catastrophes of losing people on course? or um, You know, on well, over the course of the, uh, all those years, yes. We had a racer, Essie Garrett, who got lost, and she actually spent the evening out in the woods um, by herself and I can't remember what she said about the bear, but uh, I don't think there was a bear that was going to mess with Essie. She was 
tougher than nails and, and did our race several times. Well, we talk about, about family. Um, we talk about being founded on the backs of strong women. Maybe just give me a little bit more about Essie before we go on. <laughs> well, she was <clears throat> an instructor at Emily Griffiths Opportunity School in Denver. <clears throat> and she was a pretty famous Colorado ultra runner. She did uh, a lot of a lot of races in Colorado. Um, she had I don't know if it, I don't think she had dreads. I think she had braids. Braids, yes. Yeah, so. she had long braids, and uh, she was very outspoken. Um, and just one of those true early ultra running women, uh, just tough, brave, committed. Um, she did finish our race once, I'm sure. Um, but she did try several times before she finished and we, we, Loved having her as part of the family. Yes, and boy, the one thing I remember family to her, uh, you know, she was also very philanthropic, and her life was definitely a life purpose, and I remember her starting that. I, I think it was the uh, Thanksgiving meal tradition where she cooked all those years for those people downtown Denver serving them, and often would be on the news doing her runs in between the serving the mills to train for lead. I think she did something uh, around the Capitol. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly. She would just run around the state Capitol, and people would come run with her for a bit, and she was raising money for uh-huh. for those meals. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, she was great. So, and then, uh, boy, so there's – a lot of history there, a lot of relationships there, a lot of challenges there. You know, would you do it all again? Oh, in a heartbeat. <laughs> in a heartbeat. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we do pride ourselves. Dad prides himself on asking everybody, you know, letting them know Leadville doesn't find them. Leadville finds you. And, and he loves asking them where... Leadville found them. I want to ask that of you. Well, um, I came to Leadville in 1970. My husband was a geologist. Um, He was killed in 1977. I had a five-year-old, and my friend said, Oh, my goodness, aren't you going to go home? And I was like, No. This is home. Where was home prior? Groover, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Now, and what was your your family? What did they do for a living in Groover, Texas? We were farmers and ranchers, born and bred. Uh, My my family farm is over a hundred years old. My grandfather was one of the founding members of that county. He was um, Justice of the Peace for, I think, 
30-something years and as Justice of the Peace in Groover, Texas, he never uh, performed a marriage ceremony. Oh, goodness. <laughs> my, dad, uh, my dad's family lived in a dugout, which is uh, sort of an underground house. It's wood, had sod on the roof. I guess I never knew that. <laughs> yeah. My dad had his tonsils out on the kitchen table. <laughs> I sure did not know that. So do you think that that kind of lifestyle helped you adapt to this mountain community we love so much and call home? Oh, yes. I mean, as farmers and ranchers, there aren't any days off. <laughs> <laughs> you You know... The seasons and your crops and your livestock, I mean, that's what runs your life. And if you've got prom and somebody's calving, <laughs> you don't have a choice. <laughs> uh, time does not stop for <laughs> calving. Or, you know, if you've got to go, Drive a combine or, or truck when when the crops are ripe, um, and you're taking swimming lessons. Well, that's too bad because you get to drive. I have I've had my driver's license since I was 12 years old because <laughs> your parents could sign for you because <laughs> then they could put you to work in the field. <laughs> that sounds like my life minus the field and. <laughs> You know, the, sorry, Lake County government, if you're listening, but you can get your driver's license early in Leadville if you're bad at math. So, oh, really? Because, you know, when I thought it was time to get my permit, I marched. Well, I told Dad, and he said, yeah, and we went down to the courthouse, and we got the permit. And then we went to visit my uncle and get a car, and we were driving it back. We were driving it back. It was uh, Thanksgiving. It was the 23rd. And Dad, Dad and I are driving down the road, and he said, well, it's three months until your birthday. And what are we going to do? And, and then he kind of dawned on him what he just said. And, and then the both dawned on us, we got my permit a month early because of my bad math. So, so what was that vehicle called? I remember it, was it well. A, it was a... Yellow with brown primer spots, El Camino. I remember it. Well. It was actually it was a four fifty four Super Sport El Camino, but my uncle took the four fifty four out, put a three fifty in it, and it ran like a scalded dog for twelve hundred miles until it got back to here, and then it never ran good since. <laughs> and I remember one day. Gotta talk about dumb things our parents do. Dad gave me his Corvette and I was driving around town, came home and sat down on the step with my buddy and and we hear this chugging and all this smoke billowing over the, the way out out where the hunter mall starts. And I, we're laughing at whatever monstrosity is about to come over the hill and it's Dad, my old Camino, and the engine's just blown to heck. And I said, what happened? And I maybe was crying. And and he said, well, sometimes, son, you got to blow the cobwebs out. And 
well, there was no cobwebs to blow out of this one anymore. <laughs> so that was that. But so I guess it's a good thing that I was raised in an athletic family. <laughs> Because then you probably had to run to school. Because then I had to run to school, but it was <clears throat> it was all downhill. So that was a good news. <laughs> I know your house is kind of up at the top of the hill, so it's all downhill from your house, pretty much. Yes, yes. So um, we have a lot of great memories doing this. Uh, but what do you want to tell people that that haven't? that Leadville hasn't found them yet. The What do you want to tell people thinking about coming here? What What do you want them to take away from all the hard work you've done? Well, um, first of all, I, I think it takes some courage to sign up. Um, there's... We used to get phone calls constantly. How do you train for this? What do you do? What What do you eat? How do you How do you do it? And we were more than happy always to talk to any of the people that called, and we tell them. I, I think your dad coined the phrase. Um, only thing you need to worry about you You just start running when the gun goes off. <clears throat> and and you keep running until Marilee tells you to stop. We even made a T-shirt for that. I was going to say, it's pretty good. <laughs> you should put on a shirt. <laughs> we did have that shirt. Uh, don't stop running until Marilee says, I think was what it or start Mary running. Marilee says stop. Yeah, yeah Mary, until Marilee says don't stop. stop don't yeah. Marilee says stop. Um, but <clears throat> what... What I, I want people to take away from their experience here is that there are no limits. We put those limits sometimes on ourselves and say, you know, I, I don't know if I can, I don't think I can run that far. Or I can't do this or I can't do that. And it goes back to that old can't never could. Um, all, all <clears> of <throat> the people that have run here and finished or biked here and finished have this strength and knowledge that they're better than they think they are and they can do more than they think they can. And that's something that they're able to take home with them and use in their everyday lives, in their business, with their family, with their community. Um, and it's just, I think, the lesson of Leadville that you can be more, you can do more. And, and as Kenneth has always said, you have this inexhaustible well of grit, guts, and determination. And it's, they're in the cap on that. You reach down and you pull it out and there isn't a bottom. You can reach in again and get more. And you can keep on keeping on. 
and do it over and over and over. So that's that no limits uh, piece of it. I I want them to take what they learn in Leadville home with them and and make their homes a better place, their communities, their states a better place. And I think that's where we get our greatest joy is knowing that we're adding to making it a better America a better world through our Leadville family. That's very well said. Um, Well, thank you very much for your time. It's always a pleasure. I'm sure you're going to be a frequent guest on this podcast. And uh, I've got so many stories about you, (laughs) Cole. Well, let's go see what 2021 will hold. Can't wait. Well, what a special episode, and I hope it's left you fired up and ready to hit that line. Um, Thank you so much for joining myself and Mary Lee, Leadville's leading lady today. Uh, If you like what you heard, don't forget to give us a subscribe on your favorite podcast channels, and we'll see you in Leadville.